Another episode of the BJ Robbins podcast. I am BJ. Uh, join me in the studio today, comedian, podcaster, Mr. Calvin Turner. Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, I know. I'm excited for you to be here. We're going to get into uh, what make Calvin tick here. Like I'm, I've, he's been on uh, some of my other podcasts, uh, movie review podcast, uh, Smugcast, and um, so. But I never really got to go deep into like wh- why he's there and then how everything is going with them so you, you sure you're ready for this comment yeah a little bit there's a lot there's a lot in within the last five years <laughs> but that's what led me to do comedy though well and then one of the questions that um a viewer i i let a few people know that they were coming on and they were like we're I knew you grew up in Muncie, but like, what part of Muncie did you actually grow up in? I grew up in the north side of Muncie. It was like at the at the time, it was like one of the nicer neighborhoods, but now it's starting to get where it's like not what it used to be. But my family owns the whole fucking block. Really? Yeah, it's like my house, and then my grandparents' house, and then my aunt's house behind me, and then across the street, another aunt. So you guys just kind of like just anchored in and just stayed there. Family reunions are fucking insane. <laughs> you don't have to go yeah. for it, do you? No, because like on our land, we have like a big parking lot. So everybody just fills up the parking lot for family reunion and cops get called and it's bands. So, uh, titties. so, so a lot of people n- didn't move away. You guys stayed pretty cl- uh, close. Pretty much. Pretty much. You know, I got some family in West Virginia. And one of them came to one of my shows few weeks ago and then i got florida family too and they're in clearwater so yeah i used to we we used to vacation in clearwater it's right by tampa the very first um hooters is actually in tampa is it in tampa Mm -hmm. and one of the original i think called deja vu's in tampa so um we went there on spring (laughs) sounds so cheesy spring break 98 spring Uh, break 98 that was legendary year though yeah this year i graduated the um now did having that many family members around was it like your traditional like you guys get together there's a huge group right right and did, and did you know at like a young age that like hey i want to entertain these people like was it hard to get attention with a lot of kids it was it was in a sense but then like our family was just so wild like us kids weren't really wild like we all had our morals and we knew not like right and wrong but like our, our family was just off the chain off the chain and like us kids would be staying up until four in the morning so all of us cousins got close we're like brothers and sisters parents partying until four in the morning you know during a blizzard if you know what i mean yeah (laughs) and just us kids just bonding and stuff and like our parents never did anything wrong they just like to party and have a good time and big family big close family so it was just partying every weekend cookouts bands coming over just hollering and like that a lot of my bits come from my family just because of how crazy we are there's always truth in my crazy bits somewhere so you had like the the, the stereotypical uncle and the stereotypical aunt and like like the yeah. grandmas and stuff like that who held it all down in that family 
Like my, my grandma held us down. Yeah, my grandma. She's the queen bee. Oh, is she? Yeah, definitely. Like, and she's getting older, you know, and she's not getting around as good as what she used to. But she's one of the main supporters of my comedy, as well as my grandpa. That's awesome. Which is sick, you know, because I mean, my content is bad, and they've heard it. <laughs> and they've heard it, but they're just like, that's just so our family kind of thing, you know. That's so much something we would say at the fucking dinner table at thanksgiving so who can make uh the person pop the most that's what and it's kind of how i grew up a little bit we would always try to make it is a i stole the term from wrestling stone cold would always say it like the guys would try to always try to make the guys when he was doing his promos he always try to make the guys in a truck pop which means laugh right because if, if you're around a large group of people and you've almost heard and said anything if you get someone to pop you're like oh wow that got that reaction right and then when it gets popping in our family it's like it'll well someone will say something fucked up that pops and then the whole family will just start getting in on it and just keep adding shit to it and just keep making whatever we were talking about funnier and funnier and just keep getting deeper and deeper and just keep adding different funny shit to it to where we're hanging on the fucking tables so there was no line that couldn't be crossed. No, not at all. Cause they're like my grandpa. He's the funniest one in the family. He's like Southern and stuff, but you know, Southern people, they got all their fucked up sayings. Oh yeah. I grew up in Southern Indiana. Yes. You know, like if so, you know, <laughs> this doesn't sound cool or anything, but like if someone's like special needs and you know, he'll be like, Oh, that he ain't got both oars in the creek. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's just or not all his shit. dogs are barking. Yeah, or, or or just not pretending to special needs. But um, my grandpa used to say it to us as kids. Um, he'd be like, "You guys are worthless as hen shit on a pump handle." <laughs> See, yeah, and, and then, to like, this day, I was like, "You can go crazy thinking about that, right?" And I know what it means is like that thing. It does nothing for the pump handle, but. You know, and it's just, it's funny these sayings because you, and I've said a few of them and someone's like, I've never heard that before. Like, you're as worthless as tits on a boar. See, and then, see, and speaking of boar, I asked my, asked my grandfather, like, hey, you want to go out on the boat? You know, he's not doing very well in health and stuff. And we were like, hey, let's get out on the boat and you want to go out? And he's like, well, it's a pig's pussy pink. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, that is the most epic shit I ever heard. But like, how old is that bit? You know, like it's how like, old is it? You know, like the, this is a bear shit in the woods. Yeah, or there's one with a duck. I was talking about it the other day. My, like, my one of my bosses had a term. He says, um, "You know, you just got to shake it off like a duck that doesn't like water." I was like, "What?" Yeah, you're like, okay, you just shake it up, and, and so and it's funny is because he's from Pennsylvania and I'm from Southern Indiana, and, right? And there's all kinds of sayings. And it's just amazing how. When, when you're younger, you want to make your, your whether your parents or your grandparents laugh because right. then all of a sudden it's it's something like, I mean, as a kid, you make an adult laugh and you're like, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. See, and then with us, it was just like, we never really wanted to be comedians. We were just around comedy a lot. You know, what, we what were, were just so funny. Do you know, do you know what, um, like some of your earliest comedy that you might have saw on tv or, or maybe your grandparents or your parents like hey you need to watch this uh my uh my dad when i was like eight or nine bought me eddie murphy raw classic but that i didn't really get into it then because that comedy was just too strong for me at the time but then like me and my cousins we would watch def jam on bet when we were getting babysat we oh russell just, simmons def jam uh no uh like the def jam comedy shit like Oh, okay. where you know it's like where Bernie Mac and all of them came out of well that's by Russell Simmons though yeah and it's like 
five or ten minutes each guy you know and, and they our, used to have different hosts like martin lawrence was a yeah, host yeah martin lawrence would uh, be a host i mean because you had chris tucker on that show you, chris tucker came out of bernie, there bernie mac i mean you go back and watch that and then those guys were killers and then um and you watch them and you're just like holy like eddie griffith was on there yep I think Kid, Kid Capri was the DJ for that. Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan. And it because that crowd would eat you. Definitely. I mean, so that was one of the earliest ones. Was there somebody that like you stood out and you're like, okay, this guy is like someone I have to watch. Like mine was Dennis Leary when I was younger. And I didn't right. I didn't know about the jokes dealing with Lenny Bruce. I didn't know it. But I was in high school and he had the song, I'm an asshole. He smoked cigarettes. I did too. Right. And he had that song, you know, I park in handicapped spaces while people make handicapped faces. I'm an asshole. <laughs> yeah. So as a young teenager, you're just like, yes, I'm rebellious. I like this. Right. And then like Rodney Carrington too with like, oh, titties and stuff like that. Like that was another one like before, you know, growing into comedy and, you know, and hearing my Carlins, hearing my priors, but Eddie Murphy, that was like the main memory I know I got raw for, I was like no older than eight or nine and I got raw on VHS. And then did you see anybody else that really influenced in the, in the comedy that you're doing now? Cause yours is, yours is very no hold bar. Yeah. Um, you, <laughs> you, you say whatever you want to say, which I think is great. Right. Um, because in the day of, of, of being PC and not, and I think his name is Ray Hensley. I think he posted some on Facebook that says you can do offensive if you do it the right way and it comes off funny. Yeah, and, and be, like instead a, of just being offensive, just to make the people feel uncomfortable. Yeah, not that shock comedy, you know, coming at you with just like pure shock. Like there's a, there's a, there's a story to it, or you know, it's lighthearted than what you thought when I started the bit. You know, and a lot of it, your comedy is aimed at yourself. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and that's one thing is because it is uh, they say some of the funniest people are. Um, have anxiety they have depression they have very self-conscious and the yeah. way of making them feel better is like i'm going to take a shot at myself because i'm waiting for someone else to do it anyways and i learned at a young age was either make fun of or be made fun of i'm 39 so we grew up you know public school and i didn't go to a rough public school i went to a nice public school but kids we grew up in the shoe era which they, yeah. would, which they would tear you apart for your shoes, your jeans, See, your I, haircut. I, I grew up in poverty area, you know, so it was never really that much. But, like, as a young kid, like, I was into sports, so I didn't get bullied much there. I was just always the funny kid in the group, you know. I was always trying to find something funny in the situation, especially playing basketball. I've been big all my life, you know. So, like, how do I get on the basketball court? How do I get to hang out with these dudes that I like, you know, and it's just being that funny dude. And that's all I've been all my life. But I didn't like, I've always admired comedy, you know, like a lot of people that watch comedy, you know, stay pretty dedicated to certain specials. And then you realize you really love comedy as an art. Like I didn't realize that until I was probably like 23, 24. Like I just thought it was a genre of movies I liked watching, you know? I think, um, some, somebody said something to me on a podcast once, um, Justin Alley, um, I think that's when I, you know, when I won, when I wanted to try it more than ever, cause I'd done it in the past this way. He's like, well, there's someone who could be funny on a podcast or a radio show, but can you be alone on a stage with a mic and have people staring at you? And can you make them laugh? And he's like, you know, and to me that, you know, and it's the most terrifying thing to do. It is like, I, I just didn't really think much when I first started, like, 
when Merlin Flores got me into comedy, it was just like, hey, I booked you in a couple weeks. Like, I read some of your material. You'll do fine. Just show the fuck up. And I was like really contemplating before my first show. Like, do, do I you, really go? And where was it at? It was Be Here Now in Muncie at the time. Okay. Was it, it was an open mic, right? Yeah, it was like, the, it was an open mic, but it was back when like, kind of Be Here Now was kind of changing like promoters or whatever you want to call them at that point. So it was someone that was kind of newer and they were like, okay, let's, let's fill up the bill a little bit. Let's get some first timers on, you know? And I just happened to be that first timer that week and I didn't bomb. But I think if I would have bombed, I don't think I'd ever done it again. Like, it's that first bomb you get is real terrifying to me, anyway. After I get off stage and decompress, then I think it's kind of funny. I had mine at Jokers. It was See, awful. See, I bombed at Jokers, but I was like 25th up. And the next week I went to Kettletop and I had my best set ever. See, Kettletop, I love Kettletop. It's a, a Kettletop and, and um, Kyle Buck does a great, great job because he makes you feel comfortable. But he also walks you through kind of how, and then he gives you feedback. And, and I, I don't know, I don't know who I was talking to. And he's like, I talking to someone else. I was like, yeah, I was talking to Kyle Buck, you know, and he's talking to me about like what I need to do. He's like, yeah, well, most key comedians will say you're great and they don't care or you suck. They say you suck because they're threatened because you're good. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I, you see that a lot. And then like you said, with the good set thing, like a lot of times if someone walks up to go oh, good set, like. They're just saying that, you know, that's just a courteous thing anymore, you know. Like, it, it's hard to understand someone when they tell you you have a good set nowadays just because everybody tells you you have a good set, even if you eat a fucking shitball sandwich. They're like, oh, good set. Now, and we'll get back on the topic here in a second. Now, you do podcasting, too, and you yeah. do comedy. Now, that's two circles of, because you know a lot of podcasters right. and you know a comedians. Do you see a difference between the communities, between the two? Uh, yeah, because I feel like the podcasting community wants to boost others more, like with sharing the episodes, networking, you know, I'm going to have you on my show this month, you know, and the next month you'll come on mine. Shit like that. And then with comedy, it's somewhat that way, you know, like, hey, I got a big show coming up. Would you like to feature and stuff for me? But a lot of it, especially as a new comedian, a new podcaster, like podcasting really takes you under your wing a hell of a lot more, I think in terms of overall like i said they plug they share your shit on facebook and they they share at the right times it's not like they're sharing it at four in the morning you know you'll you know people will be three or four p.m and sharing shit it's just overall like i don't have comedians sharing my shows you know like i have podcasters that share my shows i have podcasters that share my episodes because that's one question I always wondered is because I've been more in the podcast community. I've been around comedians. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been to different places where they do comedy and, you know, develop relationships with a few people that I know. And I feel like, and that's why I was wondering is because you, you know, you have no lot of comedians. Your, your, your podcast is done with Devon Shoemaker, who's a yep. comedian, very funny guy. Um, he's also from the Muncie area, right? Yeah, he's from And Muncie. you guys do Muncie Underground, and then I know you guys do um, Kettletop, and then... We just book random shows. Random. Yeah, we just book random shows. Like, a lot of shows that people aren't doing, you know, we try to find those... Well, at least I do anyway, and then I'll hit up one of my boys and be like, hey, you want to do the show with me? And a lot of them are not comedy club-style shows, you know? Like, I dig that comedy club vibe. But there's just something about being a bar comedian that's kind of fun for Cause now. Because you, you guys did a show with Tenna. 
Yep. And done then, a few shows. And then that was in the place where um, you can still smoke inside there. Yeah. Yeah. I did a cancer benefit and it was inside a bar that was filled with smoke. It was a cancer benefit. I, I featured for Ray Hensley and Tenna was at that show too. Yeah. And that, that was one of the ones that did, did that feel like a really old school type place? Yeah. And I felt like my bits would kind of hit more because like, I feel like the older crowds that I go to are like wanting the dirty stuff. They're not trying to hear witty stuff to where, you know, you have to think about the bit and then go, ah, you know, it's like, <laughs> let's hear about tits and ass and stuff like that. Cause we're drunk and we're in here in a smoke filled bar <laughs> and it's just can't breathe. And they're giving out raffle tickets for a cancer benefit. Just blew my mind. Yeah, and 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 I, and I heard about that because it took me back to the old, the old you know when you think about it and you walk in a smoke filled room and and the comedians on stage with a drink and and, and a heater. Um, <laughs> yeah. So is who we we talked about obviously Eddie Murphy Raw, but now who now when you listen to and you're like wow, like this person is like where. No, I don't want to see where you want to be at. This person, you've seen him start from here, and then now you see... Like, my favorite comedian is Bill Burr. Has been for probably 10 years. He's a good choice, as always, though. And then you've, seen where, you've seen where he's come and where he's at now, because he's, you know, he's doing a show on Netflix uh, with John Favreau from, you know, directed the Iron Mans, and they're doing a chef show together, and you still see how awkward he is, and I love how awkward he is. And he stays true to himself the whole time. Yeah. It's been great. And and you see where I remember seeing him doing little things on Comedy Central to now doing killer Netflix shows. Yeah, and then he was on Dave Chappelle, too, and... Yes, the the, dra- the racial draft, one yeah. of the best episodes ever. Classic. Um, um, was there any, someone like that, whose career you've really followed close, who's actually got big? Uh, Joey Diaz is one. Like, I enjoyed him ever since uh, The Longest Yard. And he had the small part in Longest Yard. You know, he was the fat guy, comic relief kind of guy. But I, I, it was weird when I discovered him because I was like, wasn't he in Sopranos? That I don't he, know. You know what I mean? But he wasn't big pussy at the end of the day. You know, but he, that's what made me start digging into Joey Diaz. And then with me having to like comedy, he's really been the guy. Even like my style, I try to go more his route. Joey Diaz is one. And do you the, think he's do you think he's underrated still? I know he has the Joe Rogan rub and he has his own podcast. I I, I don't like to see Joe Rogan rug, but he, I've noticed that like there's clicks, you know. Yeah, definitely. And um but I feel like he does, he's not as big. He feels big but he's not as big as is does it make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just it's strictly just cuz of his content. You know, like he's real rough around the edges and everything. And like Devon and I talked about it a lot. And he's more really like the cult comic. You know, like the, you know, if you're a comedy connoisseur, you look up to this dude and you think this guy's fucking hilarious. And he's one of the only ones that are kind of like that. You know, you got your Doug Stanhope, but in some sense, he's still popular. George Carlin, popular. Joey Diaz, popular but underground ish kind of popular but he still packs out shows and people still know who he is did, did you know there's a george carlin that was never released because it was basically right before 9-11 yeah and he was talking about uh the mm. twin twi- yep. towers getting crashed into yep. and carnage and, and stuff. then he was this is very angry because i grew up watching carlin i even watched the sitcom i was a big carlin fan um just because he brought 
intelligence into it. Yeah. And then, you know, there's times where I grew up watching Andrew Dice Clay because I, he was using curse words and filthy words. And I, and I was like, wow, my God, this is so funny. Um, but, you know, um, one thing that's uh, one thing I want to get your opinion on is do you think there's a backlash after you get so far? I mean, it happened to Dan Cook. It happened to um, um, other big comedians where they reach this pinnacle and then it's like everybody's just chopping at the legs. And, you know, and Kevin Hart is, I think it's funny. Yeah. Um, you listen to everything he does, his production company. But now I hear people like, oh, man, he's not that funny. But I'm like, is it because he's made it so far up here and then the haters? It's a lot of hater kind of shit. But then, like you said, with people climbing all the way to the top and then get chopped down. uh, Lately, a lot of it's been because shit's been coming out on these guys, you know, with the whole Me Too stuff. And then you hear a lot, too, like once your legends kind of go on and stuff and, you know, they're at the top for a while and stuff. And then you start figuring out, oh, they're still in jokes or they're buying jokes so that gives them less credibility because they're buying jokes from somebody else or whatnot you know it's you, just there's something to each story i think that chops them down did you hear the story of um daniel tosh and anthony jesenek yeah the, I, the, I think that's one of the yeah kind they both of. have the same manager right right so she go he or she goes to the manager i don't know what it was goes to both shows right and she's like no those jokes are jokes are different and and then and you know and Anthony didn't steal it neither did Tosh you know one stole from each other right they just been telling it and and I and I think that's one of the things is is outside parties a lot of time can derail things that you're doing yeah Um, because we were talking about a pre-show right before we came up here and we're talking about like you meet certain people and you're excited to meet them mm-hmm. and not saying that they can help your career, but you kind of want to learn from them and, and ask them questions and you realize they're more interested in what you can do for them. See, yeah, it gets to that point. Cause like a lot of, like when I first started going, I was just being a sponge, you know, seeing how comedians talk to other people in terms of networking, like seeing how they talk to people, seeing how they get shows, you know, seeing who to talk to for an open mic show. And then eventually you're just mingled into the culture and it's just, it's a weird culture. It's tight knit in some places. And then with me being a Muncie comic right now, it's, you know, a lot of people come through because the room is pretty like, I don't know, Indiana historical, I guess, for stand up and just overall shows in general with it being in a small college town in Muncie. But there's a lot of good people that come through and there's a lot of good people that enjoy playing that room. And I think that really helped me a lot lot in terms of getting to where I'm at now to where, you know, I can get shows now without having to beg and stuff. It's just like, if I would have went to a random open mic at a random bar, there's no way I would have done comedy this long. You mean like I did? Alphabet? Yeah, and just go to like an open mic where they're hooting and hollering. And if anything, they're just wanting to hear music. And the only thing, the only reason music sounds good at an open mic is just because it's loud. Yeah. And, and I was talking to someone who remained nameless, <clears throat> who I think is one of the funniest common comedians in Indianapolis. And, you know, and I, I sent him a message like, hey, I really appreciate it. Thanks for being, you know, a real, a real guy. I was like, I met a lot of crappy people doing podcasts and comedy. And then I always appreciate you being straight up. And then he right. sent a message back. He's like, no, I appreciate you. You know, you're one of the real ones. Because that's where you, you're getting into entertainment because 
right now, well, there's a Helium Comedy Club in Indianapolis. Yeah, Helium. There's Jokers. Indy. There's Jokers. And there's Red Curb, is it? Yeah, Red Curb Comedy. And then you have Red Flag. Well, Red Flag's kind of the open mic, and they have the and they have also on Thursday, which I love Red Flag. Those guys are... And then there's another one in Beach Grove. I think it's like yep. 1949 Tavern or something like that. <clears throat> yeah, and so there's a lot of... There's a lot of places now to go in Indy, and like Helium just came open. I think Red didn't Red Curb. Red Curb doesn't actually do open mics though. No, they're. I think they're pretty strictly like showcasing. They're showcasing, and then 1949 is an open mic, and then you have Anderson. I think that and doesn't Shelbyville have an open mic? Yeah, there's yeah there's one there. Like I'm in a comedy group on Facebook, and like they'll just update a list of like open mics you can go to each week. You could be on stage seven nights a week. And be on stage multiple times. I think there's like 12 open mics throughout a week. Because that's grown a lot now, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's really grown. And it wasn't until like last week, I think, Devon said they finally added Comedy Underground. Because they were getting a lot of demand. Like, where the fuck's Comedy Underground? Because there's one, isn't it Wrigley and Fort Wayne? Wrigley and Fort Wayne, the giggly Wrigley. So there's a lot of places to go and... What is your goal moving forward? I know you do Muncie and I know you do Anderson. Are you going to branch out to like the Beach Rows or the Shelbyvilles or like, because I know Helium, don't you have to be on a list to go on? Yeah. And I've submitted a couple of times too. And, and I think I got accepted on one date, but it just didn't work out. I think I had another show that night or something. You know, I'm willing to branch out, but it's like, I've done Joker's open mics and stuff. It's just for me and my situation. I can't drive an hour and a half for five minutes, bro. Especially when I have a killer room in my hometown that I can just wait on once a week and look forward to that and focus on my writing a lot more now. But but do you think that'll hurt you keep playing doing the same room though? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely did. That's like when uh, comedy underground went down initially, it forced us like, okay, fuck, we got to get on stage. So then that's when we started booking more shows, talking to bookers a little more because you know, we didn't have a stage anymore. And in a sense, it does hurt you being in front of like the same type of crowd all the time. But then again, most of the time, it's a great crowd. It's just a great crowd in general. And I I mean, I think I would still be just as dirty. I still think I'd still be off the cuff compared, you know, if I would have done it at Peaches, which is a beer bar downtown in Muncie. You know, it would, it would just... I would have just done the same thing because I think it's funny because when Merlin initially told me to write out my first five minutes, he said, it's worth something if it makes you laugh on paper. So like I did not get my five minutes ready until each bit made me laugh on, you know, when reading it on paper at some point. So then once I got on stage, I felt confident no matter where I went, you know, but I was overly confident, you know, like, oh, I finally said I'm going to get up on stage, you know, piss off. And you go up there in five minutes, seems like fucking two days. Yeah. Or you get one Ooh. laugh and you'll go through, you'll get one laugh and then you'll power through the rest of your bitch. And you're like, oh shit, I got two minutes left. And, and then that's, um, that's what I did because the first time I got up here, I was like, good night. And then right. people looked at me like, what, what, what did he, what did he say? I, I was more nervous. And I said this uh, so many times, more nervous doing stand up than I was my father's eulogy. Think about that. Yeah, yeah, I can, yeah. Because, you know, you don't want to screw up a eulogy, say something, you know, but, but then again, because eulogy I wrote out, my jokes I wrote out. Right. And and I think I, I can write jokes. I know I can. Um, but still, though, it's, because it, do you think comedians are very neurotic? 
two things one they're neurotic and two do you do you think they're neurotic and two do you think you have to have an ego to do it yeah you got to have some sort of ego or some version of yourself that you see in yourself that others don't see unless you are on stage Mm -hmm. and it's yeah like every comic's different you know but i'm the typical anxiety dude like when i'm off stage you know i'm 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 like, you know, like how smug, you know, like I'm not mingling. I'm not going out of the way to go, hey, great fucking set tonight. You know, I just go there, do my art, focus on what I did, and then just get back to the drawing board. But yeah, that's why they call me the plug guy, because I'm just so happy to have a show. So I plug the fuck out of it. And then then it shows, it comes across that I have a big ego, but I'm just fucking happy that I'm on a show, man. I'm just going to fucking share the shit. Well, and I think that's, and that's one of the questions I have for you is someone, I was in a podcaster group and I think this one, I first joined Facebook. I I didn't join until 2017, by the way, or 16, I think. And so, you know, someone invited, invited me to the podcasters group and they're like, you know, only one out of a million people get fame off their podcast. And I was just like, well, it all depends on what you define as fame. Yeah. Like, where do you sit? Like, yeah everybody's term of success is different yeah i mean i mean so if um we had someone buy a shirt and send us a picture that they bought a shirt a fan i'm like that's fucking sick and, and that's and that's, yeah. and, and that's one of the coolest things ever um i have you know a hack attack autographed hat from you guys i have an autograph thing from the guys from expresso so and i met them through this and we're fans of each other's work and then you know i got an autographed shirt and then other things beside me i was like that's the definition of success is someone who listens to our show and we listen to them they're like hey you i like that let's work together and it's working together in an organic way because i think well the reason i got burnt out on everything entertainment wise was a social media <laughs> yeah social media is yeah because you feel like do you because you and i'll ask you this do you feel like you have to overexpose what you're doing and then at times you're like man i'm tired of posting this because i feel like i'm just bombarding people with it i it's more of like in in a sense it's kind of digging deep a little bit but like if i'm constantly sharing shit even though it's the same show and i put pride into that show and like hey i want fucking people to come to this show and i'm just not going to show up and just do my bits and go home like i'm going to promote your show and just during all of that it's just like i don't give a fuck about it because like a, a new person that adds me on facebook they might see me as working a lot because i'm sharing a lot of shit in terms of what i'm doing but i'm sharing the same three or four fucking shows but if i'm sharing them you know one one day two another day and then post all four on a weekend and then just trickle out over and over until the shows and then the next show the next show like i don't care about bombarding timelines you know not at all and I th- and like and it's become what I've known for too. Like in Muncie area, like I'm one of the first people in Muncie to be like, "Hey, come to these shows, come to these shows," and just be foot on the pedal about it. But you're a wrestling fan, right? Yeah. So yeah. you, so I feel like that's your gimmick as the plug guy. And that would be your character. And then I think that you're very smart in doing it that way because you called yourself that and you've made jokes and made light of the plugging so i think that's where i like when i see it i'm never like what is he doing yeah like it makes we have those people they're like dude stop flooding my timeline yeah and then doing live videos just back to back to back to back to back that's the one stuff i don't like is like back to back because i get a notification on that you don't get a notification unless i tag you if i post a poster so if you're looking at that poster you're wanting to look at it or you're curious about it but like if i see like 
going live now like three or four times in a row and i'm just like oh, okay cut the fucking shit the um speaking of posters and that's a great question is did you or have you been able to keep any of the posters have you, was there any ever made or was it just like a electronically made uh there was two i wanted to get one from the second one most but the first show they were both at a small bar in eaton indiana which is like probably the size of like five neighborhoods in muncie you know and there's like a gas station and i've heard of that i've heard you guys talk about that yeah and the one poster that i wanted to keep was the one time i featured for ryan e miller it was uh in may may 1st and that was the anniversary fifth anniversary of my dad's death so i was kind of like bouncing back for do i really need to be on stage tonight and i'm about to go up and have probably at least a 15 minute set with me being the feature for him it was just host me ryan so get there and i'm just thinking in my mind i was like oh, i got 15 you know and then they come up and say hey can you do 20 and i'm like eh, 20 i'm like okay it might i mean you know it might be some slow points in the show but sure i'll do 20 and then after everything starts settling down then ryan nemo comes up to me he's like hey dude i know you were telling me you only been in comedy a year and a half you know and there are 20 minutes left to ask of you but if you could just stay on stage long enough for me to eat my wings and i don't give a fuck how long you're up there you know and i thought i cut i was like oh shit now i got like a time limit i gotta wait for him to finish his wings you know i thought i'd catch myself like looking over and seeing how full his plate was you know <laughs> and just thinking like is this motherfucker about done yet but that was my what, best it was what, my best show ever was though. he gonna give you a hand signal like we're good i'm done <laughs> did he do that or how'd you know he's done i knew when he was done because like you could tell it's kind of like my last closing bit you know it's kind of a pretty good build up and it was a killer show. I did my 20 minutes and it was, it was like the easiest 20 minutes of my life. Cause I was just, I don't know what was in me. I think it was just the emotion of my dad's fifth anniversary death opening for someone like Ryan E. Miller. Cause he's on AGT. And then it was like right after he got back from the first filming of that. And I'm just like, Hey man, opening for someone that's on America's got talent and me being in a comedy year and a half with Dick and pussy jokes. I'm like, I'm going to fucking give this my best shot. And I knew when he was done eating because on my closing bit, there was a little hallway backstage and I look over and he was standing there waiting to go on. And I was like, fuck yeah, I did it. Was it, Has there been backlash for from anybody like your friends or other comedians that like you may know and care about be like, hey, like, you know, your jokes are like, X, Y, Z. I, I've, you know, I've had like some bits that's never saw the light of day, but maybe one time and sometimes none at all. And I'll discuss it with some, you know, comedians I trust and that I'm really cool with or and I consider friends more than peers. So then I'll share a bit with them and stuff. And there's been times they're like, oh, that's too blue. That's too blue. Because it was a child molester bit that I was writing on at the time because it was probably my fifth month in the comedy. So I'm like, okay, now let's touch on the child molester stuff. That's shocking. But people are already doing that and stuff too. But it was – the start of the bit was uh, – I think child molesters are misunderstood. And then there's a pause. And then I say by the judicial system. <laughs> and then I go into the bit and stuff. It, I, I, at the time, I thought it was funny. But then again, it's just like, it was just more for the blue factor than it was for the funny factor of it. No, and I understand because um, the last time you saw me on stage was at Kettle Top. And yep. I actually told a joke. Um, 
I said, hey, my dad's dead. And I was like, no, no, that's not the joke part. Don't laugh. And then people laugh, which made me feel better about the telemarketer or bill collector who didn't know my dad was dead. Right. I still not told my mom I'd done that joke. But it was very therapeutic for me because I just knew if he if he heard me do that, like, like you said, your dad was passing. Yeah. And because it was v- very difficult to get up here and be like, um, I don't, I don't care about making you laugh. My dad, my dad passed away. So none of this matters. Right. right. But took it. And I was like, how can and I, on the way up to Anderson, I actually did that work, came up with the joke on the way to Anderson. Cause a real t- um, bill collector called me and it wasn't for me. It was someone calling for someone else. And I was just like, and I was just like, I wonder how funny it'd be if someone called about like pops. And then, you know, not knowing. Anybody. Yeah. My, that happened with my dad. Cause he laid carpet and laid rug that was one of my first bits i was talking about oh, like, he liked to laid rug you know and uh he he had a lot of side jobs and people would just call him and say hey just got in a new house you know we need some carpet and everything and it, it for at least a solid six to seven months after he died we were still getting those calls it's just weird like i never thought of the, you know to pick up the phone and fuck with him you know and be like oh he'll be there in 10 minutes you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, but that's I mean? where it's my like, but that's where my mind yeah, went. Right? Yeah. You know, people. You know, I, I just I just became real introverted at the time, and then I finally got out of my bubble, and then that's when I met my fiance, and then got back into the bubble once she had her cancer battle and everything. And that's and I describe that time as where I lost my laugh. I I didn't watch comedy shows, I didn't watch stand up, and I, I I'd watch a lot of stand up even pre comedy. Me being on stage, you know, there's reason for me being, you know. But it just, I lost my laugh. There was nothing in comedy that interested me at all. Oh, so you were Shawn Michaels, you lost your smile. Pretty much, pretty much. And like, even prior to, like when we were first getting together, she was like, you know, what's some of your wildest dreams? You know, I was a stand-up comedian. And she's like, what? It's not that, not that hard in terms, she said it wasn't that hard in terms of like going up and just doing it. Not as in honing the art. She's like, just go up and do it and see if you like it kind of thing. And I was just like, oh, whatever, you know. And then that's when she got sick. And then it was probably a year after her being cancer-free is when I decided to say, fuck it, and get on stage for the first time. Let's see. How many times does is she, I know you guys have a daughter. Is there, has she been able to come see you perform? Who's the daughter or the no, no, fiance? No. Well, I figured you worked the jokes out with your daughter. Like, hey, I need you to sit over here. She's funny though. She's real funny. She uh, for her eighth birthday, she got an eighth grade or eighth eight year old joke book, and she reads it to me. That's awesome. Delivery's amazing. The fiance has she come out and seen you? Uh, no, she's. I think I think she's too embarrassed. You know, because even though like in my bits, I don't highlight a certain girl. I don't highlight. I mean, I highlight her some. You know, because I mean, it's my daily life. But of yeah, course, you and know. some of it could be hypothetical too. And a lot of it's hypothetical. And then she's just so modest. She's like, "Ah, oh, I don't want to hear you talk about us fucking." Or my wife came to us in Anderson, and that's when I did the um, fart soap joke. No. <laughs> and she was, uh, and then, uh, and I actually pointed her out, and then. Oh uh, shit! And then the, the Facebook does that anniversary, and it was one year anniversary, and, and it was one year ago, and and having her there and seeing her laugh. Yeah. And and then afterwards, we were. It was me, um, AP. Um, that's the hard R night. That was the hard R night. Now I'm just thinking about that. Yeah, that because was the hard I R was, night. I was on. I was on. 
so <laughs> so some of you might not have listened to the other podcasts i have and that's fine um so calvin and myself have been on a couple times together yeah um um up at anderson i like going up there it's it's a good vibe to me and i was next and the lady um i didn't know what the lady said i just knew we we Kyle Buck always calls all the comedians over, goes to the lineup. We introduce ourselves like this and so and so. It's you know kind of you know they have this area we can sit over to the side. So my what I do is is I always go over to the far wall and start to just get myself ready to go up there. And yeah, this lady is on stage. She's probably what she was a white lady in her sixties. She was in an electronic wheelchair, correct? Yeah, she looked like I'm trying to think of something ridiculous to describe her as. She looks like Kathy Bates if Kathy Bates was like 70, didn't she? Yeah, and and the last round of chemo kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I mean? Like I agree. Like it was just that. It was like, what the fuck are you doing up here, kind of thing. Like it, it was just intriguing, and it had everybody's attention when she went up there. And I think that's what made the hard R thing so fucking ridiculous because she had everybody's attention. She was up there in a wheelchair, and I didn't hear it right because i'm in my own head and plus she didn't have the micro close to her face yeah it was real wishy-washy but the only thing i heard in her whole fucking set was that hard art about her uh, grandson yeah who's being lazy and, and, she, and the the it's basically it was supposed to be an acronym it was an acronym and she spelled it wrong too yeah well <laughs> which i mean we just described her so and then the best part is the whole place got quiet and then one black guy looked back at the one black guy and then when she got done she just rolled out and, he, and it made that it was almost like a movie clang clang on the doors yeah like you could hear the fucking tires of that electronic cart grinding on that carpet when she rolled out of there like it was uh, and then uh and it was like next to the stage please welcome bj robbins and i'm like hey guys how you doing and they're like staring at me and i'm like yeah like okay so what are you gonna do <laughs> <laughs> and then on the way home like i said it was me it was a night ap did his first stand-up it was me ap um, ben politsky and um that my was wife. a good night that was it a was a good night, night. This is, that was the night that ben lost his shoe yeah. the night the mic came unplugged on him and then the night the water was on the stage he knocked it over and like i said ben's i think is one of the you know funniest comedians around see that's what made me like ben a lot too is that said too because and then he had oh, i'm not going to say sell say his bit but like he had one specific bit that was just so fucking off the wall but so true i'm like no one would have fucking thought of that but him yeah and then he's um and like i said uh, we were riding back and then we were on i-69 and ben ben sitting in the front ep's driving me and my wife are in the back ben goes that lady went hard R, didn't she? And I was just like, what happened? I didn't know. <laughs> and then that's when they explained it to me. So, and and that that's funny. So what are, what if, I don't want to say five-year plan, obviously, is where would you like, to, so this is 2019, where would you like to see yourself at in another year? In another year? Uh, probably doing just uh, more volume of shows. I'd like to, you know, obviously have you know a different 20 minutes of material really just keep keep branching out keep learning keep learning that's another thing like once a comic gets like 150 shows under their belt it's they 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 think they know the business or what about traveling traveling that's a that's a motherfucker for me but you know i make the best of it you know i have a good group of friends that are comedians you know it's just like hey we'll pitch a ride this show pitch a ride that show and it, you know it works for us well for me i mean i can be truthful and say you know it works for me not doing seven or eight shows in five days 
or doing you know four shows a night i don't think i don't think i'd get burnt out it would just i would really second guess my material because if i go four places in a night and i'm like okay well this place like this bit but these other three didn't like it then i would feel like even though these three didn't like it i would totally have to throw that bit out but at least after every show you know doing one once a week two a week you get to digest you get to listen to your recordings and really digest chains words around you know and then once you everybody writes their comedy their own way anyway My, yeah. mine's talking it out in the car see mine is just really just sitting and thinking funny shit like i can't see i i had surgery on my wrist uh-huh and i can't write real well like sometimes I'll, i have a brown leather book that sits next to my bed and, and i'll wake up in the middle of the night and it's kind of a seinfeld thing if you've ever watched seinfeld and he'd yeah. write i'd wake up from a dream or whatever and i write it down and, and then i'll wake up the next day and maybe that night when i get back from work i'll open up like dude what does that say like and i got to the yeah. point so i had to start using icloud notes right that's what i use and um i still like writing it down and erasing i love that but my handwriting is so awful so um and, and it makes me feel bad because i like the old school writing it out and then rewrite it out and then do it that way so two final questions here do you remember the first joke you wrote that you used that you actually used first joke that i actually used and you was, don't have to say it but i was just wondering if you still remember that because i forgot what mine was uh my first joke that I opened up with would be here now that got me my first laugh and I was surprised it got me my first laugh it was real hacky it was uh, my uh, fiance just got over the big C word which you know yeah absolutely you know and then I just let it drag out let the you know a lot of times it's ovations let the ovations die off a little bit and I'm like yeah those crabs are a motherfucker <laughs> but then and, and then people are getting shitty me at me after that show they're like oh that's not right to make fun of cancer patient I'm like she is a cancer patient dumbass like she really did beat cancer it was just it's a fucking bit you know what i mean there's some truth to all my bits but it, that one was just out there and kind of hacky but it got that first laugh and it broke the ice for me mine was um i think it was the the beat the beat um the bj about my name yeah i think yeah uh, where it was like i uh, walked to the stage from podcast smugcast and the ap's like i don't know if i want you saying smugcast because if, if you're dog crap i don't want <laughs> <laughs> right i don't want that on my name right when now. i first said he do he's like well i want to see these jokes before you go up and do it and i was kind of offended i was just like hold on you know and then and then it made sense and then so but mine uh, i have changed that joke now so one of the last one i did was um it's my favorite one is it's like yes that is true my name is bj um last week after a show a lady saw me and said is bj really your name and and i was like okay i'll play along uh uh yes it is and she's like well why why would you why do you have that name i was like well my dad said that's what i should have been <laughs> And she goes, well, that's awful. I was like, well, it still beats. I go, it still beats the other name that he had in mind. And she's like, well, what's that? And I was like, abortion. <laughs> see, and then those. I see. I like those bits, you know. But but um, I mean, it was gonna. You know, the original anything the joke was gonna be not abortion was gonna be coat hanger. But I didn't know if everybody was gonna get it. Yeah. Because I was like, well, I should have been called. It was like, well, he did want to name me coat hanger. 
Because that well, would make him think, like, did he really? <laughs> see, that makes it a little darker in a sense. You know, coat hanger, like, that's a utensil for something like that. Yeah. And then some of the older people that might not understand that, and that's one they lean over and whisper, like, this is for this for. And they go, oh. And they'd be like, oh. Yeah, or oh, like, what a fucking dickhead. No, but, <laughs> and, then that, and that's because after 39 years with the name BJ, I still get people saying, hey, is that your real name? No. No, obviously it's not my real name. Right. But I've been called BJ since birth. I didn't have a name for two weeks. They threw Brian and Joe together. Um, and then the nurses put BJ Robinson. So it's been called that since birth. That's not, that's pretty cool. And then speaking of your name, like when I sent you that hat, did you see what I wrote underneath <laughs> the bill? Yeah. I was like, that's so fucking hacky, but I think you would enjoy it just because it's coming from fucking me. Yeah. And then <laughs> but that, that meant a lot right there is because, um, we st- I started podcast in 2016 and you know and I have um, and I'll show you this after the show gets over I don't think I ever showed you this and now I have that shirt I have a married with children shirt I have the hack attack um, stage hat stage hat <laughs> and then I have some other stuff and it's just something because I didn't get into this for the money I know this sounds bad I didn't want to tell jokes on stage for money right I just have a passion for it and um, so and when I get to meet those people it's like it's it's like instead of collecting sports memorabilia like I'll collect memorabilia from artists that from artists you know. that I like and you know and you know I have and I have some cool stuff over here we got and that and that's where we go back to that fame thing so and then last question this, last is, question. this is a fantasy question fantasy if you could open up for one person besides Joey Diaz, because I know you probably oh, say that'd Joey. Be a, that'd be a good lineup, I think. <laughs> Who else besides Joey Diaz would you want to open up for? Like, in terms of, like, business-wise or in terms of, like, fantasy, like, I want to open up for uh, him. And turn a, a personal. That has nothing no financial. Personal? I would probably go... Uh, it sounds weird because you know it's kind of recent and he's not considered a legend by any means yet but i would probably say burt kreischer that, that would just be a good time all around and i feel like he would be a guy that with his features like he would really fuck with you you know and hang out with you and it's not like we're going to be in separate green rooms and then you're going to go do your minutes and i'm just going to do my show and it's going to fucking close up and i might get a picture with you i feel like burt he would fucking hang out and party with you yeah i think and, and i think if you've ever listened to him he's a very supportive down-to-earth person oh definitely like he, he like somebody said that he said something about him or on a podcast and he, like he was so upset because he's like hey like i'm sorry you took it this way like he actually cares even though he really you know and and i think but i love bert i always forget about him but i just watched his last stand up and he's talking about kids and i have kids and, and i think it's funny how he talks about how stupid his kids are yeah yeah you know and then you know i have two teenage boys and then there's times i'm just like was i that dumb and then so. you're thinking you're like yeah <laughs> that definitely was that dumb at some point it was just different things that we were being dumb doing no i know so but like i said is now comes to my favorite part of the show especially for you shameless plugs shameless shame plugs. plug it all okay so september 4th i'll be at the green diamond and eaton featuring for walter ford keep an eye out on my mixtape this is the first time i'm going to drop the date that that, that we're really gunning for for the mixtape and it's funny saying we since i have a producer and everything now and the pod or the mixtape the reason I'm calling it a mixtape is because I'm going to have features from other comedians on there. 
not necessarily bits, but like different parts of where they comment on my set or something like that. Because I have a few comedians that'll come up to me and be like, hey, can I riff off this bit that you did? And then just kind of like make fun of it. And I'm like, yeah, go for it. I got a few of those on recording that I'm going to try to throw in if I get their permission and stuff. It's just going to be a fucking shit show of just my comedy. Because it's something different than, you know, hey, come for my comedy album recording. It's three nights in a row. It's just like, let me just take all my bits and it sounds fucking shitty. And then that be the brilliance of it. So October 3rd is the date on that. And then keep watching Off the Cuff Podcast. It's growing. It's growing a lot more than what I thought it would do which is great shout out to dakota harris on that with him coming on and producing for us that's been that's been just fucking and who do you do that podcast with devon shoemaker off the cuff with devon shoemaker <laughs> i didn't i didn't want you not to say his name oh i was yeah <laughs> yeah i, I get kind of carried away with my mixtape once i start talking about it <laughs> i don't blame you uh make sure uh, you know um check out off the cuff i i listen to it they do it in a car in a car in the studio car in the studio car which is which is hilarious it's a great concept and then uh, very funny also if you get a chance to go check him out on stage um i've worked with him a ton of times um probably one of the nicest genuine guys you meet in an industry where you don't have to be that way <laughs> yeah because i mean uh, there's some dicks and that's what i you know and i've talked about a few people with that and, and you know it bothers me a little bit because but karma will come back and get them and then i'm married with two kids and i said this to a guy the other night he's like hey man we really never get to hang out and i'm like i don't really do the friend thing yeah that's just really not my thing like it <laughs> yeah i'm the same way i got like five friends and it's just like okay and then and even at some points five it's like oh that's fucking too many because i gotta figure out time to hang out <laughs> and if somebody sends me something i mean i'll throw it up on social media i'll plug it i'll talk about it i mean because you know even if they don't do it back to me i don't care you know and you know and um when i when i posted up the the, the, the shirt for espresso there you know um i actually met his co-host finally i never got to met him uh, me, I, I get to hang, hang out with him and uh he's a uh, he's a great guy too and then he's like put you know true fam on there because yeah you know, i went through a lot of their stuff i supported their stuff but i never asked for anything like yeah. I, I never asked to go on the show because i know their show is a different format than what we do yeah and then you know and and i love having those guys on the show ben's the only guy i've ever had on a podcast who took over a podcast yeah he's that type of guy he just started asking questions and i loved it i was like great i was like i don't have to worry about anything come on yeah you know like okay here's the real deal here's the fucking guy you know he's just that guy but then when you get to know him you're like he's just such a fucking lovable guy he's hilarious He's just hilarious. Because when I went to that Indiana Land party or whatever it was, oh FOMO party, yeah, I, the FOMO. I, I end up standing outside by myself because I'm just a weird dude that does just there to support them. You um, know, but I'm not going to dance. You know, I'm not going to dance. I'm not going to get up there and you know grab the mic and try to do some freestyles, you know. But yeah, like I'm 39 outside. and they're like 26 range around there. I was like, I'm gonna go. That's a different generation gap yeah <laughs> so but anyways like i said just make sure you check out Cal, uh, calvin calvin turner comedy on instagram and calvin turner on facebook all right and then stay tuned afterwards uh, i'll give out all the social media um but uh we'll talk to you soon here kids if you'd like to get in contact with the show the email is the bj robbins project at gmail.com facebook is bj robbins twitter is at the bj robbins instagram is bj underscore robbins and snapchat is the bj robbins if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to one of those platforms so we can make that happen. Thank you.